You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is a character study of the life of Moses. We'll now study the character of Moses through the four books where he appears most. So first of all, in Exodus, his parents were Amram and Jochebed. She was Amram's aunt. They were both from the tribe of Levi. Moses was three years younger than Aaron. They also had an older sister, Miriam. We don't know exactly how much older Miriam was than her brothers, but she was old enough to be sent to keep an eye on baby Moses on his trip down the Nile and to suggest a nursemaid for him. He was born during a time of difficulty for the children of Israel in Egypt, social engineering and genocide. Pharaoh had given orders, first for the midwives to kill the male Hebrew children. When they refused to follow the wicked order, he gave orders for every son who is born to the Hebrews to be thrown into the Nile, but every daughter could survive. His parents recognized something special about Moses, so when he was born, they hid him for three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, waterproofed it, placed him in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. Pharaoh's daughter just happened to come down to bathe at the river at the time, and she saw the ark among the reeds. She heard the baby crying and had compassion on him. She recognized he was a Hebrew child. Moses' sister pops up and offers to get one of the Hebrew women to come and nurse him for her. She agrees, so Miriam fetches Jochebed, who not only gets to have her son back for a few years until he is weaned, but she is paid for the privilege. And what a kindness from God! Pharaoh's daughter raises him as her own son and names him Moses, which means drawn out because she drew him out of the weeds. And Acts 7 says, At that time Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. He seems to have known he was a Hebrew. When he was grown, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren, and after looking both ways, he killed the Egyptian and hid his body in the sand. The next day he tried to break up a fight between two Hebrews. They didn't appreciate his interference. Who made you a prince and a judge over us? They asked if he would kill them as he'd killed the Egyptian. Pharaoh heard of it and sought to kill Moses. He fled to the land of Midian, where he married Zipporah, one of the seven daughters of Jethro, or Ruel, priest of Midian. So he spent forty years in Egypt, forty years in Midian, and forty years in the wilderness, dying at the age of 120. He may have first thought he had been spared and then placed in his place of authority in order to help out his brethren, but they didn't see it that way and it seems God wanted to humble him and teach him to lead sheep before he could lead people. Acts 7 says, uh, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. When Moses flees to Midian, he happens to come to the well of the priest of Midian. 
He becomes a deliverer to the daughters of Ruel, saving them from the shepherds who tormented and hindered them from their task. Um, some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. So he was their deliverer. And the fact that their father was surprised to see them return so soon today shows they were regularly harassed by the shepherds. They explained an Egyptian deliverer had saved them from the shepherds. Ruel couldn't understand why they hadn't brought him home. Moses comes to dwell with them and marries one of his daughters, Zipporah, and has two sons, Gershom and Eleazar. He had a special relationship with God and was privileged to speak to the Lord face to face. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend, Exodus 33. And Deuteronomy 34 says, Since then, no prophet has arisen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So when God commissioned him to go before Pharaoh, he protested eight times. Imagine the nerve of talking back to God. It was more than humility. He was disobedient and defiant. Moses' protests included, Who am I? The elders won't believe me because I don't even know your name. Pharaoh won't believe me or listen to my voice. I'm not eloquent and I have a speech impediment. Send someone else. Pharaoh has made things worse and you haven't delivered your people at all. The children of Israel haven't listened to me. And why should Pharaoh listen to me? So he seems to have had either a speech impediment or he wasn't eloquent. But the Lord reminded him that he was sovereign over both abilities and disabilities. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? When he still protested, God appointed his brother Aaron as his spokesman. In Leviticus, God spoke to Moses directly, usually from the tent of meeting. Moses did as God commanded him. Moses instructed the people about offerings, sacrifices, and tithes. He forbade the eating of fat and blood. He ordained Aaron and his sons as priests in a week-long ceremony commanded by God. This included washing, dressing, and anointing them. He then prepared and sacrificed the animals required and applied the blood. After everything was done as God commanded, the glory of the Lord appeared to them. But no sooner had Aaron's sons been consecrated as priests when two of his sons, Nadab and Abihu, were killed by God for not doing something the right way. It is suspected they were drunk because of the prohibition in the same chapter against priests drinking. Moses made decisions about the requirements of the law. Moses gave instructions about dietary restrictions and allowances, about purification after birth, regulations about defiling skin diseases and how the priests were to recognize and treat them, how to perform cleansing rituals, cleansing from defiling molds, discharges causing uncleanness, instructions on the Day of Atonement, unlawful sexual relations, 
other various laws and punishments for sins, rules for priests, unacceptable sacrifices, appointed festivals and offerings, oil and bread to be set out, and about the Sabbath year and year of Jubilee, treatment of the poor and redemption of the land and people. Moses gave instructions about capital punishment and the eye-for-an-eye statute to ensure that the punishment fits the crime but does not become excessive. Moses described the rewards <clears throat> for obedience and punishments for disobedience so it was clear, and the price of redemption, which was the same for rich and poor. In the book of Numbers, Moses conducted the first census of the children of Israel a year after they left Egypt as God commanded. These were men over the age of 20 who could fight in the army. He also appointed a leader in each tribe. He didn't count the Levites at this time, because their task was to disassemble, carry, and reassemble the tabernacle. He arranged the tribes in the camp around the tabernacle under their standards as God commanded. This determined the order in which they would set out and set up camp again. Then Moses took a census of the Levites who were of age to serve and received redemption money from the Israelites for them. Moses taught them how to maintain the purity of the camp, how to provide restitution for wrongs, and how to test for infidelity in a wife. He taught about the Nazarite vow and instructed Aaron and his sons on how to bless the people. This was the Aaronic blessing. He instructed them about offerings, the lighting of the lamps in the tabernacle, and the setting apart of the Levites for the work of the tabernacle and assisting the priests. He reminded them of how to keep the Passover and how the pillar of cloud and fire would direct them when to move. He instructed them about the silver trumpets which would be used to communicate different signals to the great company of people. The Israelites moved for the first time since the tabernacle was constructed so they could put all these directives into practice. Judah was in the lead. Moses' brother-in-law accompanied them. When the people complained, God sent fire among them. They didn't learn from that and complained again about the lack of meat. They despised the manna. So God provided quail, which was both a blessing and a curse, because there was so much. Even Moses was frustrated and implied he was the one who had to provide it for them, and he couldn't see how God could possibly do it. To lighten his load of leadership, God put his spirit on the seventy elders, and they prophesied. Even two who weren't present prophesied where they were. Joshua was jealous for Moses' sake, but Moses corrected him. Aaron and Miriam opposed Moses' authority, and God struck Miriam with leprosy, and she was put out of the camp for seven days before God healed her. Moses sent out twelve men to spy out Canaan, one man from each tribe. They returned after forty days. Ten of the men gave a bad report and discouraged the people by describing the giants that dwelt there, while Joshua and Caleb encouraged them to go up and take this good land. Because of this bad report, the people rebelled and were ready to choose a new leader who would take them back to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fell down before the people. Joshua and Caleb again tried to persuade them to obey, but they spoke of stoning them. Moses interceded for the people whom God was about to destroy. They were forgiven. Nevertheless, God sentenced that entire generation 
to wander in the wilderness for forty years until they died, and they would never see the good land he had promised them. Only Joshua and Caleb, and those under the age of twenty, would go there. They mourned, but the next day they presumptuously thought they could obey after the fact. But Moses warned them that God was not with them, and even though they still went, they were routed by the enemy. Moses instructed them about supplementary offerings and offerings for unintentional sins. He sought the Lord's counsel on what to do about a Sabbath breaker. He instructed the Israelites to put tassels on their garments to remind them of God's commands. The rebellion of Korah showed who was not allowed to approach God. As a result, the earth swallowed them up and fire killed another 250 men. But they didn't learn from this incident either. And the very next day, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron and accused them of killing those men. God threatened to kill them all. But Moses instructed Aaron to make atonement for the people. Nevertheless, 14,700 people died because of a plague, in addition to those who were killed because they rebelled. Then God showed positively who alone could approach him. He had each tribe choose a staff and write the name of the leader on it. These were placed before the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron's rod sprouted and budded overnight, producing blossoms and almonds. It was put back there as a reminder that only the descendants of Aaron could approach God. The people were terrified. Moses described the duties of the priests and Levites. He prescribed which parts of the offerings were to be for the priests and Levites. He also described the water of cleansing. In Numbers 20, we're told that Miriam died. The people complained about the lack of water. Moses and Aaron took the problem to God, who instructed him to take his rod, but speak to the rock, and it would give water. But Moses and Aaron were angry and said, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then he struck the rock, and they had water. But God was angry at Moses for disobeying him, and as a result, Moses and Aaron would also not enter the Promised Land. Moses sent messengers ahead to the king of Edom, asking for safe passage through their territory, but they were refused. Instead, the Edomites came out against them with a great army, so they turned away from there. God informed them that Aaron would die, so Moses removed his priestly garments and put them on his son Eleazar. Then Aaron went up to, uh, to the mountain and died as God said. Then the community mourned for him for thirty days. The Canaanite town of Arad was destroyed by Israel in an answer to prayer. The people complained about the lack of water and the miserable food. So God sent venomous snakes among them, and many died. This made them see the error of their ways, so they appealed to Moses. God told him to make a bronze serpent on a pole. Then he lifted it up among them, and whoever looked at it in faith, even though he was bitten, was saved. Then they journeyed to Moab, where God gave them water. Then Israel defeated the two Amorite kings, Sihon and Og, and took their lands. Unbeknownst to Israel, Balak, king of Moab, was terrified of the approaching Israelites, so he summoned Balaam, a prophet who was in Pethor. He wanted Balaam to curse Israel and offered to pay him for it. 
At first he refused to go with the envoys, since God forbade him, but then he went anyway. On the way the angel of the Lord stood in his way to oppose him, and the prophet's donkey saw him. Balaam beat his donkey three times. God opened the mouth of the donkey to rebuke him. Then Balaam saw what the donkey had protected him from. In spite of his summons by Balak to curse Israel, God gave him a vision and seven oracles which blessed them instead, causing Balak to be frustrated and angry. At Baal Peor, the Midianites, through Balaam, seduced the Israelites to commit sexual immorality and idolatry. Moses instructed them to kill all the Israelites who led the way in this sin, so God's anger would turn from them. While some were weeping in repentance, one man blatantly brought a Midianite woman into the camp and into his tent right in front of Moses and the whole assembly. This enraged Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, so he went into the tent and speared both the man and the woman together. This stopped the plague, but at that point it had killed 24,000 people. God commended Phinehas for his zeal for God's honor. He received a covenant of peace and a lasting priesthood. God told, him, told them they were to treat the Midianites as enemies and kill them. God ordered Moses to take a second census of men over the age of 20, just before they were to enter Canaan. The size of each tribe would determine how much land they got as an inheritance. The Levites were counted separately. They did not receive a separate land inheritance. This census was conducted on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Moses settled an inheritance dispute in a family where there were no sons born, only daughters. He did it by consulting God about it, and this became a statute in Israel. God informed Moses that after he went up to view the land, he would die, as Aaron did, for their refusal to obey God's clear command. Moses appealed to God to provide a leader to replace him, so the people would not be as sheep without a shepherd. God instructed Moses to publicly inaugurate Joshua before the people, so they would respect and follow him as they did Moses. The priest would inquire of, of God on his behalf. Moses laid his hands on Joshua and commissioned him. Moses reminded them of daily offerings, Sabbath offerings, and monthly offerings. He reminded them of the Passover and Festival of Weeks, or Pentecost. He reminded them of the Festival of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. He reminded them to faithfully fulfill their vows. He instructed them to take vengeance on the Midianites for the incident at Baal Peor. They only partially obeyed, killing five kings and Balaam the false prophet, as well as taking the women and children captive. But then they were told to keep only the virgin women. Then he instructed them to purify themselves and divide the spoil. Because no men were lost on their side in the battle, the thankful officers gave an offering. The Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh requested land on the east side of the Jordan. At first Moses misunderstood their motive, but they agreed only their families, flocks, and herds would stay behind, and they would go across and fight, and only return once the other tribes were settled in the land. Moses agreed, but warned them to do as they promised. Moses recorded all the stops along their journey since they left Egypt up to this point, 
he instructed the Israelites on how they were to utterly destroy the inhabitants of Canaan and everything related to idol worship. If they failed to do so, then God would do to the Israelites what he had planned to do to their enemies. Moses spelled out the boundaries of Canaan. Moses instructed them to allot cities for the Levites and six cities of refuge among those cities for the Levites. He gives further clarifications about the cities of refuge and other instances of murder or manslaughter. A further wrinkle in the issue with the family who had only daughters was what to do with the land if they married outside of their tribe. Moses again takes the issue to God, who says they are free to marry whosoever they wish, as long as it is someone within their tribe, and the women did so. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses was called the man of God. We see this also in Psalm 90 title, which, he, um, which was a psalm he wrote. Moses began to allocate the land, but the tribes on the east side of the Jordan were not allowed to take their ease while battles remained to be fought and enemies remained to be conquered. They were to assist their brethren. God upheld the sentence on Moses that he could not enter the promised land regardless of his pleading. Moses reminded the new generation of their parents' sin and how it affected him and themselves because they had to wander in the wilderness too. Moses' final task was to commission, encourage, and strengthen Joshua for his task. Moses would be content that God's work would be carried on by others, since that was his desire. What are laws made for except to be obeyed? When Moses encouraged Israel to obey God, it wasn't because of obligation, but because of a loving relationship. Moses pleaded with Israel to remain faithful to God. God made a covenant with Israel mediated by Moses. Moses stood between the sinful people and a holy God and interceded for them because they were afraid. Fear is the proper response to the holiness and awesomeness of God. Moses said God tested them in the wilderness for 40 years, but they often failed because they forgot God's word. Moses said God was disciplining them as a loving father does his child. Moses encouraged them to look back and to look forward and to see those things through the lens of faith in a faithful God. Moses recalls that three times he fasted for 40 days and nights. Moses interceded for the children of Israel many times. Moses gave examples of God's punishment of sin in his own people. Moses set before them a choice of blessing or a curse. Moses prophesied about another prophet whom God would send. One requirement was that he would be an Israelite, raised up among them. He was to be like Moses. They were to listen to him because he spoke the words God commanded him. Anyone who failed to listen or obey him would be called to account. Moses taught how to distinguish between true and false prophets. If a prophecy did not come to pass, they could be fairly sure the person was a false prophet. Supernatural power in itself was not enough to validate the message. They were warned to beware of enticements to idolatry, whether through false prophets or close relatives. In order to recognize error, they needed to know the truth. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. They required two witnesses in a capital case, so that false witnesses who lied um, jealously or 
with hatred or a desire for gain were less likely. Moses permitted divorce. Moses reminded them to maintain honest business practices. Moses laid out the conditions under which they would be blessed for obedience to the covenant. Moses set before them a choice of a blessing or a curse. If they failed to obey God, he would bring on them all the curses in the book of the law. Moses told them to love and obey God. Moses offered a choice of life or death, blessing or cursing. If they obeyed God's word, they would live and be blessed. Moses would not cross over into the promised land, but Joshua would. Moses would be leaving them, but God provided another leader. The command to be strong and courageous instead of afraid and terrified of their enemies was given to the warriors who would fight and to Joshua who would lead them. Moses instructed that the scriptures were to be read publicly before all ages so that they would learn to fear the Lord. Joshua's inauguration ceremony was done at the Tabernacle of Meeting, signifying the presence of God. God appeared in a cloud during Joshua's inauguration ceremony. Moses taught the Israelites a song so they'd understand that God knew their hearts and it would convict them of their sin. This song was given to reprimand Israel when they turned away and remind them of the great God who loved them and redeemed them. This song would testify to them even when they were no longer had the other means of grace. The Israelites were taught the song of Moses. While Moses was greatly used by God and had been an example of humility and obedience, he was not perfect, and forty years of frustration boiled over. His failure magnifies the greatness of the prophet to come, Jesus. From the time Moses was called, his whole life was in service to God. Moses had a long full life, 120 years, and a fitting eulogy. The Israelites grieved when Moses died. It was love that motivated God to send Moses and redeem Israel from slavery in Egypt. God said he knew Moses by name. Moses had a face-to-face -face relationship with God, indicating their close relationship, not that he literally saw God's face. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for an introduction to the historical books and the book of Joshua. May God bless the study of his word.